The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Former five yards of play. We're going to go downhill. We're going to move the ball. And when we move the ball, we're going to be able to pass on them. So I think our biggest identity is just moving the, moving the line of scrimmage two yards in every single play and being able to give uh, Adrian time to throw. So um, just hard-nosed football. Sounds pretty good, right? That was Nebraska offensive lineman Ethan Piper describing what he hopes this offense is known for in 2021. Moving the line of scrimmage? Excellent. Hard-nosed? Hell yeah. Four or five yards per play? Well, all but the worst offenses in college football these days average four yards per play. But Piper was talking specifically about the run game. And still there, once you remove sacks, 115 teams averaged at least four yards per play a year ago. His larger point still holds, however. And here's where it gets interesting. Imagine if, in, say... February of 2018, someone described Scott Frost's offense at Nebraska the way Piper just did. Would have been strange based on everything we had just seen at UCF. But if that vision for the offense becomes reality in 2021, it wouldn't so much be a new identity, more the the most fully realized version of what Nebraska has been trying to build for the past three years. And if that type of offense is the aim, The Huskers aren't starting from scratch. Consistently staying ahead of the chains via the run is already the thing that, in my view at least, this offense has done best to this point. Why hasn't the record followed? Does that start to change this year? Does that start to change this Saturday at Illinois? You're listening to the IED Preview Podcast, Huskers Illini Edition. Let's talk some football. Welcome back to season two of the I-80 preview. Uh, I like being able to refer to something by seasons, but a new football season is here. So our in-season weekly Huskers preview is back. Goal here is pretty simple. Get you ready for the game. I like to think of this as extreme previewing to a degree. It'll get messy at times. We're going to get in the weeds. Uh, at least that's that's the hope each week. Uh, the setups to look at key players... Well, we'll start with actually the point spread and and what odds can tell us about this game. Then we'll move into key players for each team. And this is, this is the same setup each week. Try to go beyond just the, the three stars approach. If you played any uh, NHL hockey games in the 1990s, early two thousands, that might sound familiar. Uh, But really get into some matchup specific stuff uh, and some players who, have the chance to have the biggest impact on the game for, for various reasons. That's the first half of the show. Halftime, uh, Rusty Dawkins drops by to offer a weather forecast for the game ahead, whether you're going to the game itself or just want to know what the conditions will be. Rusty is in each week to offer an update on that. And then in the second half of the show, we really dial down to what Nebraska has to do and what it has to avoid doing, in some cases, to win the game. Nebraska and Illinois kick off at 
12 p.m. Technically, that's what we got used to all summer. But if you look at the schedule now, kickoff's actually scheduled for 12.20 p.m. Central Time in Champaign. I like using Vegas odds as a way to gauge how experts and then the public at large, uh, at least the betting public at large, feel about these games. It's it's not a perfect metric by any means. Um, a sports book's aims are not the same as just accurately handicapping it in, in some cases, but that's still 90% of the game for them. They can't be way off on, on these lines or otherwise they'll uh, be handing out money. So that's, that's why we start there each week with this Nebraska, because this was a week zero game. It was one that's had a line on it for, for quite a while that opened at around minus nine for the Huskers at, at most of the places I saw in July. It's been down to, Huskers minus seven since late July, and and it's kind of hung around there. Um, I thought this week could offer some more movement on that line, and and it may closer to game time, but as of midweek, it was still there at around seven. Nebraska is a minus 265 favorite on the money line, uh, which is a win probability, an implied win probability of about 72 or 75%, somewhere in that range, depending on where the number's actually at. Um, so pretty high. Um, Vegas is saying, and it's not even just Vegas anymore, I guess, with the kind of spread of legal sports betting into multiple states at this point. But the odds makers are, have made Nebraska a pretty solid favorite here. SP Plus, uh, an ESPN power ranking that I tend to favor, would actually make Nebraska an even larger favorite. Uh, you take the power ratings there and their preseason power ratings based on returning production, recent history for these teams and recruiting. But you use those power ratings and add in two and a half points for Illinois playing at home. And that still leaves Nebraska as a 10 point road favorite. On the win probability side, the football power index, FPI, ESPN's other power ranking, uh, puts the win probability at 65%. So that's kind of the range that we're talking about here. Point spreads under a touchdown. We're right at a touchdown at the moment, but you get down to six points, five points. You're really getting into kind of coin flip territory. So we'll, we'll see where this one ends up by, by kickoff. But right now, Nebraska is a decent favorite in the home opener, though these week zero games or week one, if that were the case this year, can be pretty volatile. So we'll see how things unfold. Now let's get into some players to watch here. And we'll start with the fighting Illini. Had a a couple of interesting things happen for them defensively. And, and the Illini's returning production is good. Um, but it wasn't without some potential scares along the way, which you expect with a coaching change, um, even though Brett Bielema, is still a, a brand name in college athletics. Lovey Smith was a brand name too, and they did okay on the on the recruiting trail. So far, Illinois is riding some momentum in recruiting, which you also see often at the the start of coaching tenures. Uh, so so things got kind of interesting. Linebacker Jake Hansen, he's he'll be number thirty five on Saturday. Uh, actually declared for the NFL draft. He was the Illini's leading tackler. In 2020, coaching change. Thought I'm gonna I'm gonna try my 
try my luck in the NFL, but ended up coming back, uh, removed himself from, from the draft process. Had 68 tackles a year ago. A thing to watch with him, he also has 10 career forced fumbles, which is third all time in Illini history so far. And he's one of six captains. He's kind of the, the heart of things, played a lot of football for them. You'll see him in on a lot of plays defensively for Illinois. Sticking with defense for number two is defensive end Owen Carney Jr. He's kind of your prototypical edge rusher at 6'3", 275. Might be, might be Illinois' best player. Um, he went into the transfer portal after a breakout 2020 as, as Illinois worked through his coaching changes and, and assembled its staff and then opted out. So that's two key players, uh, not just for this game, but really for the season for Illinois on defense who thought about leaving for whatever reasons, saw enough with the new coaching staff to to return. Carnier was the second team all Big Ten pick last year, kind of came out of nowhere, had five and a half sacks on the year. One and a half of those came against Nebraska last, last year. Um, it was interesting, Bryce Benhart this week during Nebraska football practice was talking about going back to that Illinois game and what can that film actually do for you when they've got a new coaching staff and new schemes? And he said he was specifically going to go back and look at the rushers because Illinois returns so much production defensively. It's going to be a lot of the same guys that Nebraska saw last year. So Ben Hart, the Huskers starting right tackle was going to use film as a way to just look at technique again, look at their fits, look at what guys did individually uh, and as he did that, I'm sure Carney was a guy who stood out. He's a pretty good player. We'll go to offense for the third player here. Um, and there, there, there's a couple ways we could go. I went with Isaiah Williams. Uh, he was the kind of gym, recruiting gym of, of Lovey Smith's time there, at least on offense. Uh, a four-star dual-threat quarterback. He's 5'10". He's a little bit undersized, but he was the best player in Missouri. When, when he signed two years ago. And he, he redshirted that first year, saw four games as, as the rule allows, a little bit of time at quarterback. I think he had about 10 pass attempts. Played a little bit at wide receiver in Illinois' bowl game in 2019, which was a sign of things to come because Williams moved full-time to wide receiver this year. Illinois returns Brandon Peters. He's played a good amount of quarterback for them over the past two seasons. So they should be set there. Williams, extremely athletic, pretty dangerous. And with, with a new staff in place, a new offensive scheme, it's a bit of a mystery of, of how Illinois will use him. So I'll be keeping a close eye on him. He's, he's number one, this being week zero and this being Brett Bielema. I think it's uh, fair to expect a few trick plays throw it into the mix and you got a former quarterback at wide receiver. So, so keep a pretty close eye on that. Now let's flip to Nebraska. Uh, the easy thing to do here would be list some of the usual names you're used to hearing at this point. Yeah. Jojo Doman's going to be important. We all want to see if the fall camp chatter around Adrian Martinez and his improved decision-making uh, he slimmed down, which you can just see uh, if you tune into any of the press conferences, uh, if all of that's true. But I want to get a little more sp- 
specific with this, the, the group of guys I'm going to be looking to first as, as we all watch the game on Saturday is as follows. And I'm going to cheat, which, which often happens in, in some cases, but here there's really no choice. Number one on my list for Nebraska this week are the cornerbacks Braxton, Car- Braxton Clark and Quentin Newsom. We don't know who's going to be the starter yet. It's possible, perhaps likely, we'll see a bit of both of them. We've only seen a bit of both of them to this point, but they're, they're guys who made an impression pretty early. Clark was, was a player who I thought had a chance to have a pretty big 2020 before he got injured. And Newsom was, was one of those guys that played right away, mostly on special teams. They're, they're different body types. Defensive coordinator, coordinator Eric Shenander, I thought, spoke really well about that this week in the lead-up to the game. But Clark's 6'4". He, he stands out. Newsom's a little bit more conventionally sized for, for a cornerback and has perhaps the agility edge is, is the way that, that Shenander put it. But 6'4", as, as, a, as a cornerback, that gives you some things too. Uh, particularly down the field, which we'll get to later, I think could be a pretty big part of that. But either way, no matter who's out there, Clark or Newsom, and again, I think they'll both be out there, but expect that guy to draw a lot of attention on Saturday from the Illini in the passing game. When you look at the rest of Nebraska's secondary, you've got two super seniors at safety and Cam Taylor-Britt, perhaps the, the best player on that side of the ball at the other three spots back in the back seven. So we'll, we'll see where, where Illinois goes, but you can have a pretty good idea that they're going to go at the, the new guys, so to speak. Second on my list is Samori Ture. It's been a long wait for him. He hasn't played a football game since the 2019 season with the way that that worked out and FCS moving to the spring Last year, um, he had already announced his plans to transfer to Nebraska by the time Montana kind of got up and running. Now it's time to see what his actual impact will be with this offense. And I think he's going to be a really good player. But week zero, you know, it's all projection at this point. How does how does the transition from FCS football to to Big Ten football go? I wrote in this year's 2021 yearbook still on new stance uh, if you're interested in picking that up about how the the jump from FCS football to FBS football may not be as great as it used to be as we would kind of conventionally think it is doesn't mean it's easy by any means but I feel pretty good about Toure's ability to kind of meld seamlessly into this offense um, I think he's going to be a pretty reliable and frequent target for Adrian Martinez and, and Nebraska needs that, you know, Wandale Robinson leaving for Kentucky, obviously dinged Nebraska's returning production numbers on offense quite a bit, but he was also a guy that, you know, things got tough. The rush is bearing down on you. Uh, Adrian Martinez found him more often than not. Who's that player this year? Could be Samore. Last for the, the Huskers this week is I'm going to go with tight end Chris Hickman. Um, we could get our most extended look at him yet. Austin Allen said this week that uh, the team, figuratively speaking, the, the brain trust, the coaching staff, everyone has put put Chris through a lot. And what he meant with that is, you know, Chris came in as a tight end 
out of Omaha Burke. Uh, pretty long and lean body type, so he could do multiple things. He spent 2020 as, quote-unquote, quote, quote, a, a wide receiver, um, but was still in on a lot of Nebraska's packages as a tight end or motioned into the backfield because he's a pretty good run blocker. He's going to get some of my focus on Saturday because there's at least still some uncertainty out there still about what happens at tight end. Austin Allen missed some practices early in camp. He was back up there on at Monday's press conference. Seems like he's likely to go. But we don't know much about the other starter at tight end, Travis Vokalek. Um, some uncertainty there. And if he's unable to go, uh, Chris Hickman is very likely the next man up. Uh, my one moment of gross overreaction this fall camp, which, you know, it's, it's a right, it's a right of August. You got to overreact to something in fall camp, right? Uh, was, was Sean Beck, then Nebraska's tight ends coach, just mentioning offhandedly that Hickman was one of those guys who had a 60 yard touchdown up the seam, uh, which I was, Sounds pretty good to me. Uh, if Nebraska is able to hit 60-yard touchdowns this season, something that was woefully lacking in 2020, that's a pretty good sign. But I also, it also appealed to kind of the traditionalist part of me in that, yeah, you know, 60-yard touchdowns to the tight end up the seam. That's some uh, option football stuff. Nebraska's not going to run the option, but it's still there. It's in our minds. That takes us to halftime. Here's Rusty Dawkins to provide a weather report for Saturday. You can follow Rusty at Husker Weather on Twitter. And check in through the week on HaleVarsity.com because he pops up there a couple more times to provide an initial forecast for the game, but also updates throughout the week. So good stuff if you're a weatherhead. Hi there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hale Varsity. This is the IAD Preview Podcast Weather Forecast. And it's going to be a hot and muggy one as we all head to Illinois for the uh, the Husker game on Saturday afternoon. Now, what we're looking at is early morning temperatures on Saturday already starting off warm in the middle 70s in Champaign, Illinois. Mostly sunny to partly cloudy skies and not much of a wind. Now, by kickoff, that's at noon, mostly sunny to partly cloudy skies. Temperatures already in the upper 80s, southwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. And then during the game, we'll probably get to around 90 degrees for the high. Unfortunately, the dew point will also be in the lower 70s, and that means that we're going to see a heat index that will likely be in the middle and upper 90s, so a really hot one, mostly sunny to partly cloudy skies. There is a small chance in an isolated shower or thunderstorm on and off throughout the afternoon. The chance is small. I think most of us will just see mostly sunny to partly cloudy skies. And as we head to the fourth quarter, by about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, still hot, temperatures close to 90, dew points in the 70s, heat indices in the uh, middle and upper 90s, so just a hot one and not much of a wind either. That southwest wind, 5 to 15 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hale Varsity. You can keep an eye on my social media channels. That's Husker Weather on Facebook and Twitter. Go Big Red. Okay, let's kick off the second half here by getting down to the, the million-dollar question. How does Nebraska win this game? Uh, point number one for me uh, on that's going to be the, the Huskers run game. It's been a big part of the conversations throughout fall camp. And there, there are good reasons for that. The offensive line, which was interesting. This was one of the things that Brett Bielema 
mentioned in his weekly press conference this year, just kind of the length and athleticism on, on Nebraska's line. And that's a guy who was an offensive lineman and also had a lot of his, his success at Wisconsin by, by being strong up front. Um, he mentioned that, that athleticism. And, and, and I think you can just look at that group and see that this is the closest it has looked to, I think, what Scott Frost wants for that group since he arrived. Uh, the running backs are a bit of a mystery. Uh, a bit of that is intentional with, with the coaches uh, working pretty hard not to di- divulge too much ahead of this week zero game. So, so that part of it's out there, but the run game as a whole, and I, I talked about this at length on, on last week's show, it's been the most consistent part of Nebraska's offense over the past three years. And I know like the offense isn't anywhere near what anyone either working at Nebraska or passionate and following Nebraska has wanted it to be. But when you dig into those, those run numbers, they start to look pretty good and it starts to feel like, okay, there's, there's something here. And that's why it's starting point for this week. The Huskers run game isn't quite elite yet, uh, but, but it's closer than you might think. Nebraska ranked 13th in rushing success rate last year. Um, in 2018, it was top 10 in that category. Illinois rush defense last year ranked 116th. So as a starting point, and again, you know, first games, first game of the year is always wonky from this perspective because all you have to go on is from where we last left these teams. So things change in an off season. They don't often change that drastically. So that's, that's a starting point. The 13th best rushing success rate offense in Nebraska against Illinois 116th ranked rushing defense when it came to efficiency. But in last year's game, Illinois won that matchup. You wouldn't have forecast that coming in, but they held the Huskers to a 42.9% rushing success rate on 44 carries. So it's not like Nebraska stopped running the ball, which was the Huskers' second lowest rate of the season. Of course, now we got to get into some of the complications with this. The Illini do have a, a new defense, new defensive coordinator. Ryan Walters comes over after five years at Missouri. His defense is there, sort of fluctuated with the Tigers' talent level. Um, his 2019 defense ranked 17th in rushing success rate. His 2020 defense dropped all the way to 112th. So you had some good, some bad. Looking back at those those last five years of, of Missouri's defensive numbers, I don't know that you could say, oh, this is, this is a group that traditionally stops the run and, and that's how they're built. Um, it just, it, it kind of fluctuated. And, and that was true for the Missouri defense as a whole. That said, Walters is pretty well-respected, um, young defensive coach. He was kind of a coup for, for Illinois to get him. Uh, you, you talk about some of those, those well, Hanson and Carney coming back. If you don't hire a defensive coordinator who can relate to guys, those decisions become quite a bit tougher. But point overall, coming from Missouri last year, Run defense wasn't that strong. There's like enough noise there to to not, you know, not call it 
if if Iowa's defensive coordinator was going someplace else, you you could say pretty pretty confidently like, yeah, they're going to stop the run and limit explosive plays, and that's what it's going to be. It's a little bit more mysterious with Walters and this this new Illinois defense. It wasn't particularly strong in this area a year ago, and, and a major jump in that over the course of a season would be a surprise. One game scenario, you know, it, it was a surprise that Illinois stopped the run as well as it did last year against Nebraska. So we'll see. I'm still the most confident in Nebraska's ability to run the ball, however. That's even true without knowing which running back's going to kind of take the lead here. And, and offensive coordinator Matt Lubick said he does want a, a running back to kind of be the guy. Now, I, I don't think that means we won't see these other guys, but there's a pretty solid top three that has emerged. Uh, you have Marquis Stepp, the US, USC transfer, uh, a bit of a bigger back. He was kind of a specialty back for the Trojans and played some. He's at least played this level of football before. Uh, didn't play a ton due, due to injuries, however. Savion Morrison, redshirt freshman, is the guy who I I think can do the most things. And if you ask me to to make a prediction on who is the guy that gets the most carries on Saturday, he would probably be my pick. Uh, Derek Peterson wrote a great story for us. And when when Morrison was coming out of high school for for our recruiting issue, um, and Spencer Tillman, former Oklahoma Sooner and and broadcaster now, uh, was just effusive uh, about his work ethic. And the work he puts in, and I mean, Morrison holds a lot of rushing records in in the state of Oklahoma, which isn't an easy place to do that by any means. The third running back in the mix here is Gabe Irvin Jr. And as a true freshman who arrived in January, for him to be in the mix, I think tells you what kind of talent you're looking at with him. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. First games can be pretty jittery and ugly in in a lot of ways, a consistent run game for Nebraska is the easiest way to smooth that out. And then you, and Nebraska's shown the ability to stay on schedule that way in the past. So that's why I highlight it here. Um, If Nebraska comes out and is really struggling to, to run the ball and we're not even talking about like explosive plays or anything like that, but just the consistent running, um, picking up five yards of carry and staying on schedule that way. It's something the Huskers have done very well in the past. If for whatever reason they're not able to uh, on Saturday, it'll be my first sign of trouble. So it's kind of my primary health check for the offense against Illinois. And I'll be watching that rushing success rate closely. Second key to the game on Saturday for me is going to be Illinois' success in the passing game. In last year's 41-23 win, in which Illinois was almost a two-touchdown underdog, uh, the Illini averaged 8.8 yards per pass attempt. Only Ohio State had more against Nebraska in 2020. And that was on just 25 attempts. So the explosive play rate there, Illinois only had five explosive passes, which I, I define as 15 yards or more. But that's 19% on, on, on 25 attempts. And quarterback Brandon Peters, who, who returned for that game after missing the previous three due to COVID, completed 72% of his passes. 
My overall feeling on Nebraska's defense in 2021 is that it will be improved again. That's the with the amount of experience they they bring back, um, and and what they were able to do, and also the three year trajectory here. I think it's totally reasonably reasonable to expect for them to continue making progress. For you know, choose your category with some caveats for the most part, but I expect them to give up fewer points this year than they did last year. I don't know how big that jump will be, but that's a fair expectation as, as we kick off this 2021 season in my mind, the complication with that, the thing I'm going to be watching most closely, however, is the Huskers pass defense. They limited big, big passes last year at at a decent rate, 14.6%, which was 48th nationally. So a, a little bit above average. The weakness, however, was Nebraska ranked 82nd in passing success rate. Its completion percentage allowed, 63.1, ranked 81st. With those two senior safeties, super senior safeties, and Cam Taylor Britt back there, that part of Nebraska's defensive game simply has to be better. It should be better. And if it's not we've got a potential problem to, to monitor going forward. I'm reasonably confident in the Huskers ability to hold up against the run Saturday, though Illini running back Chase Brown is, is a good runner. Uh, there's also the mystery element on this side of things for the Huskers too, as everyone, when Brett Bielema was hired at Illinois, you kind of, you have a vision of, of what you'd expect for that offense, but he went out and hired, offensive coordinator, Tony Peterson, who's kind of a football lifer. He's, he's been a lot of places. He's been around the block last year. He was at Appalachian state, which had one of the nation's best running, running attacks. Mountaineers had four backs go over 500 yards on the year. The top rusher had 1100, but that might've been more about app state's talent and culture edge in the Sunbelt. It's a program I follow pretty closely. Uh, you could even say I'm a, a little bit enamored with app state. Um, and they've had things running at a pretty high level, uh, by sunbelt standards for sure for a while. So I put a little bit of a caveat on, on that one. Peterson's two most recent stops before that at, at Louisiana tech from 2013 to 2015, he helmed some really good passing offenses and, and the Bulldogs got better pretty rapidly under him for after that from 2016 to 18, he was at East Carolina and that was messy on multiple fronts. The pirates weren't very good at any aspect of the game and their offensive numbers kind of reflected that Peterson has a reputation. However, as as a strong QBs guy, and I'm sure some, I'm sure he saw some things he liked when putting on NU film from a year ago because of some of those, those passing numbers that I mentioned. So, so that'll be a big one. You know, this is uh it will not surprise me at all. If just with the newness of this, and this could happen in the run game too. I think it's a little bit more likely in the passing game uh, based on the starting points we're talking about here, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. If, if Illinois hits a couple of big passing plays early on and, and Nebraska's success defensively, 
will be defined, well, one, by its response to those kind of plays that you can feel are, are very likely going to come in a season opener scenario. But also its ability to just be more efficient against the pass. Uh, like I said, they did a good job of, of limiting those big ones. You might expect a couple more in, in, in a week zero game, but can they bring that completion percentage down? Uh, can they keep the yards per pass attempt lower? That's the easiest way to view that. Uh, I'll be looking at their success rate on passing plays because that's what I do. And I have this crazy charting, uh, process during a game that I'm not even sure I could watch a football game without doing it at this point. Well, at least in the Nebraska game, I watch all the rest of the games on Saturday without charting everyone, but I just like to know where things are at real time. So, um, if you, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, at Brandon L Vogel, I'll often share some of that throughout the game. So if you like talking about this, uh, sort of stuff, just know I've, I've got a running tally. You can always ask me at any point too, and I'll let you know. Third key to the game for Saturday. Is this finally the year in which Nebraska enjoys the edges it has engineered? And I'm talking particularly about offense here. Let's go back to Ethan Piper's four or five yards on every play comment from the start. This is a success rate podcast, largely. I talk about it all the time because it's important. It's a, it's a statistic that measures... It basically sets up binary winner loser for every play. Um, and that's based on yardage thresholds. That's based on down and distance. Uh, it's essentially a measure measure of a team's ability to stay on schedule. And it's really, really important. Um, I talked about this on last week's show previewing the offense, but the correlation between combined success rate, so offense and defense, and winning percentage over the past three years, about 90%. Like, and that makes sense. You know, that's, it may sound like, whoa, um, or maybe it doesn't to you, but you're, you're measuring a winner on every play. And it stands to reason that the winner of the most plays probably wins the football game. Uh, Nebraska has had a bizarre ability to refute that notion at, at various points, but I still look at the offense from the past three years and say that that right there is its best feature. It's ability to stay on schedule. It's defining characteristic over the last three years is that type of efficiency. So success rate itself breaks down into two categories. Um, there are standard downs which are first and 10, uh, second and four is a standard down third and three is, is a standard down. And then there are passing downs, which, which has nothing to do with whether the team runs the ball or passes it. Um, but you call them passing downs because the uh, offense is often a little bit more predictable on that. So, so here's, here's how that broke down in, in 2020 on standard downs which were 68.6% of, of all plays in college football in 2020 offenses had a success rate of 46.5%. The advantage for them is basically their entire playbook. 
their entire scheme or script for the game, everything they've prepared for it is available to them because they're not fighting against the chains. It's not second and nine. You're not trying to make up ground that you'd lost on the previous down. So it's kind of a continual and should be compounding advantage when you look at this at the drive level of just stay on schedule. Like Piper said, four or five yards of play, that'll often do it. Um, and stay ahead of it and, and keep the defense guessing. On passing downs, that success rate in all of college football in 2020 drops to 31.4%. So you're talking about a pretty significant gap there um, between what an offense can fairly be expected to do when it's on schedule and what happens when it gets off schedule. In 2020, Nebraska was in a standard down 71.9% of the time. So about three, three and a half percentage points more than the national average. That ranked 20th nationally. It was virtually identical to Ohio State and ahead of Clemson. Nebraska, so you can look at that as Nebraska's offense was had an edge over the defense as often as the Buckeyes and more often than the Tigers. Based on that alone, that's a good place to be, right? But there's more. Nebraska's success rate on those standard downs was 55%, which ranked ninth nationally. These were the teams ahead of Nebraska on that list, along with their points per game from 2020. Alabama, number one, 48.5. Air Force, 24.3. Kent State, 49.8. Ohio State, 41.0. BYU, 43.5. Western Michigan, 41.7. Oregon, 31.3. And Oklahoma, 43 points per game. You got two outliers there. Air Force, obviously an option offense. Uh, Their drive length is significantly longer the amount of points an offense like that can can put up in a game is is certainly lower than than most of the teams on that list but hey we all are well aware of option football right you just kind of continually stay ahead of the chains lean on people and 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 it works it still works um Oregon's the other curious one uh and perhaps an illustrative one in that the ducks had a standard down success rate similar to all these offenses that averaged, well, minus Air Force, more than 40 points per game. Oregon was down at 31.3, which is which is pretty average for, for an offense in today's football. What happened? The Ducks' turnover rate was very Nebraska-like. Um, so you have to factor that in that continues to be a concern and an issue and something worth watching for the Huskers as well. But point, the overall point here is is playing with an advantage when it comes to down and distance is clearly a force to be reckoned with. It's only an advantage, however, something that can be utilized, but could also be mishandled. Unfortunately for Nebraska, they've fallen into the latter category more often than not, even though they've twice ranked in the top 20 nationally in overall success rate. What Piper was describing was largely what I already thought of 
when thinking of Nebraska's offense. But I also think about the bizarre chain of events that have had to happen for Nebraska's point totals and record not to look anywhere in line with how often it's engineering those advantages. The question here at the start of a new season isn't if Nebraska will consistently gain yards and exert pressure that way. Right now, it's if the, the question is if they'll finally demand what they've been earning for a while. That means finishing drives. It means reducing turnovers. It means getting a little bit more explosive and then riding the momentum those big plays provide. That can be hard-nosed football too. Thanks for listening to the first I-80 Game Week preview podcast of 2021. Like I said at the outset, we'll do this each week. Um, really try to break down Nebraska's upcoming opponent, upcoming game, and and how it could unfold in depth. So definitely uh, subscribe and rate the show if you like it. We do have a monthly magazine, of course. Uh, that's that's what we were founded upon. So. If you'd like to consider subscribing to that, we do have numerous start of the season deals ongoing. Uh, just check hailvarsity.com or hailvarsity Twitter for that. Also check out the Hail Varsity Podcast Network. We've got a fleet of shows at this point. Um, some more potentially in the works here as, as we move a little bit deeper into the season. But thanks for listening. Enjoy the game. Media Production.